Well, good morning and happy Mother's Day. I am so glad that you're here. And as Pastor Matt said, we are in week two of our Overloaded series where it's all about giving out more than what you are replenishing yourself with. And I recognize that for so many of you in here this morning, you probably define the word overloaded. Anyone in here feel just a little bit stretched beyond where you should be able to stretch? And I recognize that um, this weekend there was an opening of a movie, and I don't know if there's any Star Trek fans in the house kind of thing. And uh, yeah, I remember the TV show when I was growing up, and there was a classic line as the Starship Enterprise would be engaged in battle, and Captain Kirk would call down to Scotty, who's personally my favorite character on the show, and he would say, Scotty, I need more power. And then the, the, the line would always come back, Captain, I'm giving her all she's got. And in other words, it's like the Starship Enterprise. It's, it's, we're running at full tilt. We're redlining this thing. And I recognize that for so many of us, that's kind of how we do life. We're redlining it. We are going full tilt, uh, full tilt as hard as we can go for as long as we can. But there's only one problem with that, and that is we can only do that for so long before something starts to break, something starts to fall apart. And I guess that might be okay if you're the Starship Enterprise, but if that's your life, that's not a good thing. And so what I want to do this morning is I want to talk about a concept that I believe if we can grab a hold of this concept, it's going to pave the way for us to not live an overloaded life anymore. And the concept I want to introduce to you is called margin. And we're going to start with the definition this morning of margin. Margin is the amount of safe distance between you and disaster. I'm going to say it again. Margin is the amount of safe distance between you and disaster. Um, I recognize for most of us, we learned about margin for the first time probably from our mom. At least I did. I can remember growing up when we were, my sister and I, when we were old enough to go and play in the front yard, and my mom would say, okay, just stay in the front yard and don't go in the street because the street meant bad things. There were cars in the street. There was potential disaster in the street. And so mom said, just don't go in the street. Now, I don't know what it was, but I was a play-in-the-middle-of-the-yard kind of kid. For some reason, I had built in a concept of margin, even though I'd never heard of the word before. And I would play ball in the yard, and I'd kick it around. And if I, I, I kicked it too far, it was okay because I could still grab the ball before it would go in the street, and there was never a problem. But my sister, whenever mom would say, don't go on the street, she was the run-to-the-curb-and-play-on-the-curb kind of person. Yeah, any play-on-the-curb kind of people in here? Where you, you're living right there on the edge and she would play and if she dropped the ball, it's only a matter of time before it took a wrong bounce and it would roll into the street and she'd look out into the street and she'd run out and grab the ball and invariably mom would be there at the front porch saying, I told you not to go on the street and, and my sister would say, I was just getting the ball and it's, it's not my fault, I just had to get the ball back and I, I recognized that the difference between us was that I kind of had a built-in margin and my sister wanted to live life on the edge. Well, it's one thing if you are doing life in the front yard for your whole life, which none of us do, but fast forward a little bit. I was in college, and I was engaged to my lovely wife, um, and it was summer break, and my future in-laws just bought a motorhome, and they wanted to go on a vacation, and they wanted to travel up to Gettysburg, which is in Pennsylvania, and my wife is from Illinois, and so they would swing by, and I lived in Columbus, Ohio. They'd swing by Columbus, and they'd pick me up in their motorhome. And I get in the motor home, and, and down the road we go, and we're not two hours down the road before my future father-in-law turns to me and says, Scott, it's your turn to drive. Let me give you a little context. The car I had in college, which was my only car, was a Ford Festiva. 
this car's front end was about here, and the back end was about here, and then you would fit somewhere in here. I mean, it was, I don't think they make smaller cars than this. I mean, there's subcompact, and this was like a sub-subcompact. It was, it was super small, and so all of a sudden, I am, am being asked to drive a vehicle that is the most expensive vehicle that I've ever driven before. It's the biggest vehicle I've ever driven before, and it's of my future father-in-law's. So he pulls off for the next rest area, and we change spots, and he goes, all right, accelerator, brake, steering wheel, let's go. And so down the road we go, and if you know anything about going from Ohio into Pennsylvania, you would know that it starts to get hilly, which isn't a huge deal, but I recognize there's something that, um, about motorhomes, at least this one, was there was a little play in the wheel, that kind of big you know, bus-type steering wheel. And, and so you'd have to just kind of work it a little bit this direction until it works its way back and then play it back a little this way. And, and you start to develop a nice little rhythm down the road. I'd, I'd hate to think what it looks like behind us in the motorhome. You'd think I was drunk or something. But, you know, I could stay, I could stay in the lane and, and not go too far. And I was doing okay for a while until we started heading to Pennsylvania. And I recognized uh, as the signs approached, they said, tunnel ahead. Which, in, in Pennsylvania, there's tunnels. There's, like, large hills that go through tunnels. They decide it's better to go through the hill than to go around the hill. I preferably like to go around the hill. But the sign said tunnel ahead. I'm like, okay, you can do this, Scott. It's not a big deal. You can handle it. Just keep on jiving, you know? Just keep, keep going. But then I saw another sign that started to scare me a little bit. It said construction ahead. Okay, Scott, you can deal with this. You can handle it. It's not a, it's not a big problem. And so you just keep going. And then I recognize there's one more sign tunnel closed. So this is what this came down to. There was two tunnels. There was one tunnel that had two lanes that headed in the same direction. And then there was another tunnel that had two lanes that headed in the other direction. Well, the problem was they closed one tunnel. So this only tunnel that we had had traffic going down to one lane in one direction at 50 miles an hour. And on the other side of the tunnel, it was the other people coming the other direction at 50 miles an hour. And so all of a sudden, I've got, coming into the tunnel, on my right, I've got a curb like a foot away. And on my left, I have those wonderfully protective orange cones. And then on the other side of the orange cones is the traffic. And I don't know about you, but have you ever driven, had a, a semi-truck drive by you on the freeway? You know the little gust of wind that pushes you over? And so I'm thinking, you know, go do that inside of a tunnel. And it's like, it's crazy. It's a wind tunnel in there. And so we're headed in, and I'm like white-knuckled as much as I can, and uh, I'm working it straight, and I could care less about what anyone's talking about, what anything's going on, and I'm steering it for all I'm worth, and I'm like, don't hit the curb, don't hit the curb, don't hit the cones, let alone oncoming traffic, or you'll die. And I'm going back and forth, and I'm working it back and forth, and, and I see a semi-truck coming up, and you try to brace yourself, and you're not sure if you're going to make it, and you fight it, and you're like, oh, don't hit it, because let's be honest here, I'm not just driving the largest vehicle I've ever driven, I'm driving the most expensive vehicle I've ever driven and my future father-in-law owns it my marriage is at stake right here in this moment and so I'm looking ahead and I'm seeing the the light at the end of the tunnel and I'm praying to Jesus come back now Jesus it's a great time to come back now Jesus in some way by the hand of God we made it through the tunnel but I recognize that in the moments that I had absolutely no margin on either side I was a wreck and all I wanted was some margin just a little bit of wiggle room. And I recognize that for most of the people in here, your issue with life isn't driving motorhomes and tunnels with construction, with traffic coming the other direction. But I recognize we live so much of our life without margin. We live so much of our life without margin, like in our finances. We spend everything that comes in, 
Everything that comes in, we spend it. It goes out. There's, there's nothing left. There's no margin. For some of us in our relationships, there's, there's no margin. We live right on the edge of things being held together. We're potentially one bad argument away from everything falling apart. For some of us, we live right on the edge with just our, our, our integrity and one bad temptation away and things fall apart. And so I want to talk to you today about a concept that I am convinced. If you can incorporate this into your life, it will change your life. It can completely radically turn your life around just if we start to add some margin. So here's the question then. So how do we gain some margin in our life? And I think there's three things that I want to talk you through today on how we create margin in our life. And to do this, I want to go to the Bible because I'm convinced the Bible's got the answers for everything that we need in life. And we're going to go to the book of Matthew chapter 7. And here we find Jesus and he's preaching one of his landmark messages. And he's got a crowd of people around and he's kind of wrapping up this whole message talking about a little story and he's comparing two houses together. And for an analogy, and he begins in verse 24 of chapter 7. He says, Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain came down, and the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against the house, yet it did not fall because it had a foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. And the rain came down, and the streams rose, and the winds blew, and beat against the house, and it fell with a great crash. So the simple concept is this, is Jesus is saying, if you can construct a life that follows after what I have to tell you, then you're going to have a life that is solid. Because when storms come, and here's kind of the promise, storms are going to come. So the trick of life isn't to figure out how to not have storms. The trick of life is to figure out how do we survive the storms. And we find out that what Jesus is doing right here is he's actually referring back to something he had already taught in this message. And he's saying that what I have done is I've created a system of life that I have built in margin for you. And through that, it becomes solid and stable. Because we recognize this, that when there is no margin, any storm can destroy us. When there is no margin, any temptation can cause us to fall. When there is no margin, any disagreement can cause us to damage relationships. Any unexpected bill can destroy our financial life. And without margin, it's just a life of anxiety, stress, constant fights of high-pressure decisions. And I want you to know that this is not God's plan for your life. He's designed this thing to work better, to have a much better way. And so here's the question then, how do we create margin. How do we actually create margin? I think there's three ways. I want to start with the first way, and that is to draw a new line. I want you to think of it this way, to go back to where we started. Of my, my mom, when she said to only stay in the front yard and not go in the street, we recognize that the curb is the dividing line. It's that place between safety and disaster. But the thing was, is I naturally... Um, as a kid, kind of built into a new line. I created margin. But for many of us in our life that we are living right on the edge, I'm saying for us to create margin, we've got to draw what I could, would consider a new line. A new line that says we're never going to cross this point. 
And I actually want to take you to the Bible because I think Jesus was opening up this thought for us. And let's look together, if we will, just a couple chapters before where we were before in Matthew chapter 5, verse 21. And here Jesus is actually talking about murder. And I recognize that murder is probably not one of your main issues today. Hopefully. Um, but again, I want you to recognize what is the emphasis? What is the principle that he's revealing to us? Matthew chapter 5, verse 21. It says, you have heard it that it was said to the people long ago, do not murder. And anyone who murders will be subject to judgment. Okay, verse 22. But I tell you that anyone who is angry with his brother will be subject to judgment. All right, here's the concept. The curb is do not murder. In fact, Jesus was quoting one of the Ten Commandments. Do not murder. Here's the line that we do not cross. But then he says, wait a second. I want you to draw another line. A line over here that says you're not even going to have anger in your heart towards somebody else. Because if we can start to manage life behind this new line, then we're able to to have healthy relationships, life-giving relationships. We're able to deal with things. And so when arguments come, what can we do? We can deal with them in the margin. As opposed to someone else that doesn't deal with the arguments and doesn't deal with the hard issue, they just look at the edge and say, well, apparently this isn't where I'm supposed to go. And I recognize that for so many of us, murder is not the issue. But I promise you this, if you don't have margin in your relational life, then when the trial comes, the temptation certainly may not be for murder, but I promise you there will be a breaking of the relationship because there's no margin. And I'm saying, again, Jesus is saying, we've got to draw a line back. Yeah, the line is do not murder, but come back here. Let's draw a line farther back and say, no, no. Make sure your heart doesn't even have hatred towards anybody. Because if we can do life here, this is where life gets good. This is where life is peaceful. This is where life is manageable. And this is where we can do the things that God would have us to do. Well, Jesus introduces another topic just a couple verses later. He's actually talking about adultery of all things. And he says in Matthew chapter 5, verse 27, he said, You have heard that it was said, do not commit adultery. But I tell you that anyone who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery with her in his heart. Again, where is the line? Jesus is quoting one of the Ten Commandments. He's saying, here's the curb. The curb is do not commit adultery. And there were so many people living right next to the curb, and it didn't matter what they thought about. It didn't matter what they looked at. It didn't matter the, the, the desires and, that they had and the lustful thoughts they had. And they were just living right on the curb. And Jesus is saying, that's not good enough. Because when the storm comes, you're going to fall right over. And that's going to destroy your relationship. He says, so we've got to draw a line farther back. There's got to be a line farther back of appropriateness. Says, Don't even look upon a woman lustfully. Because it's the kind of thing then of when we draw the line there, then when we have a thought that we shouldn't have, then we can deal with it what? We can deal with it in the margin. But if we're only living life on the edge, then I promise you this. It's only a matter of time before there's a temptation that comes your way and you're going to fall. And as a result of that, you will destroy everything. And so this isn't what's the minimum we can do in life to get by. Because no, that's the line. I'm saying if we're going to create margin in our life, we've got to draw a line farther back. And for what Jesus was saying, he's saying, no, no, no. Don't even look upon a woman lustfully. Deal with it here before you ever deal with it there. Well, Jesus hits one more topic even just a couple verses later. 
And in this topic, he's talking about finances. And he says in Matthew chapter 6, verse 19, he says, Do not store up for yourself treasures on earth where moth and rust would destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moth and rust do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. And then verse 21, here's the crux. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Again, Jesus is drawing a line and he's saying, for so many of you, when it comes to your financial life, everything that comes in, you spend it. It goes out. There's no margin. And your focus is on your stuff, what you can acquire, how you can make yourself happy by purchasing this, how you can get attention from other people by acquiring these things. And so it's all about the stuff. The focus is on the stuff. The focus is on what we can do with the stuff. God is so much secondary to this. He's not even close. And God is saying, this is what I want you to do. I want you to draw a new line. I want to be the most important thing in your life. I want to be the the place of your attention. It's not that God's opposed to the stuff, but when that is controlling everything that you're doing, you've missed it all. And God is saying, if you can put me first, if I can be first, then I'll take care of all the stuff. There's something else about drawing a new line right here. And this is financial margin right here. Because we know when the storm comes, we know that there's going to be a breakdown in your car. We know that there's going to be an appliance that goes on the fritz. We know that there's going to be a layoff. And the question is, how do we deal with that? I'm telling you, we deal with that in the margin. We deal with it in the margin. If we don't have margin, your car breaks down, you go over. You get laid off, you go over. One problem, you go over. An unexpected bill, you're over. Things fall apart. And I want you to know that in this life of margin, things can get amazing. It was as of last November, my wife and I are completely debt-free. And i got to be honest with you, life is good. I didn't realize how much weight I was carrying on my shoulders. I didn't realize how much stress I had until we paid off the last credit card and it was like, we're done. And I, I'll be honest with you now. Uh, my, my car, there was some work that had to be done to one of my vehicles a, a couple months ago and I'm like, that was a grand I wish I didn't have to spend, but I got it. Done. When before, it would have kept me up at night. I would have been overwhelmed because I didn't have any margin to work within. And now, because we've drawn a line It was a year and a half ago that we drew a line in the sand that says, you know, we're not going to cross this line. We're not going to acquire any more credit card debt. We're not going to let this control our life anymore. We're going to draw a new line, and we're not going to go beyond it. And as a result of that, margin and freedom and life. So the step number one in how do we create margin is we've got to draw a new line. But number two, how do we create margin? It, It goes with the first one, and that is we've got to be accountable to that line. We've got to let someone else hold us accountable to that line. It's, it's kind of like this. If you're the only one that ever draws a line, but you don't tell anybody where you drew the line, then you know what happens when stress gets high? You smudge the line and, go, and move it. But if someone else knows where you drew the line, is helping to hold you accountable to that line, then you know that's the line you've got to live to. And so whether it's an area of your finances or area uh, of Uh, there's an integrity issue, a relational issue, someone's holding you accountable. And I recognize that for, um, as Pastor Matt has shared earlier, on a staff level, this is something that we do for Matt and Mike and I. We get together basically once a week, 
We hold each other accountable. We put all of our secrets on the table and say, this is, this is me, the good, the bad, and the ugly. And we don't just deal with, hey, it looks like you're, you're about to step off the curb. No, no, no. We deal with, it looks like you're starting to eat into your margin. And we hold each other accountable to that. Because we recognize that if we can hold each other accountable to the issues of where we've drawn a new line, then we're not going ha- to be tomorrow's newspaper front page article that says another pastor fell into uh, a problem of integrity. Another pastor ruins a church. Another pastor embezzles a, a million dollars. Because we know that the issue isn't just the curb. The issue is we drew a new line and now we're holding each other accountable to that line. And so quite simply, I'm asking you the question. Who do you have in your life that can hold you accountable? Certainly in financial issues, I think that you and your wife need to be on the same page. You've got to be able to hold each other accountable so that when the next sale comes around and it's the perfect thing and the old thing is wearing out and it's, it would be a crime not to buy this right now. And you're like, wait a second. We've got a new line and we're holding each other accountable and we're not going to cross the line. Or maybe it's an issue of... of You've got to struggle because you look at things you shouldn't look at or you dwell on things that you shouldn't dwell on. The question is, is somebody holding you accountable? Do you have a friend in your life? My concern for so many of us is that we don't have a person in our life that we let hold us accountable. And my prayer for you today is that you can leave here today with a name in your mind thinking, I need to initiate a conversation. And I recognize it might be the most awkward conversation you ever initiate. But it'll probably go something like this. Hey, my life, I live on the edge. And I don't want to live on the edge anymore. And I'm trying to draw a new line in my life. And I want to invite you in to help hold me accountable to that line. And I recognize that if you can start a conversation like that with someone that you're close to, then you might find that there's a depth of relationship that you never knew existed before. And it's also a place of health. And it's a place of camaraderie. It's a place of where true relationship and true friendships emerge. Because you're, now, you're doing life together now instead of just doing life on the surface. And so I want to ask you, who is it? Who is it in your life that you need to initiate a conversation with? Who do you need to bring into your circle? Because I recognize without accountability, there's no motivation for change. You've got to bring someone in and hold you accountable to the new line that you've drawn. So number one, we've got to draw a new line. Think about it. What's the line that you've got to draw? Number two, we've got to hold ourselves accountable to that line. Well, let's hit the third one this morning. The third step in creating margin is we've got to start making deposits. Now, this is easy when we talk about financial life because if you're in the deficit, the whole point is this. You start making deposits until the deficit turns into a margin. In other words, we start putting in more money than we're taking away. And for some of us, that, quit, that simply means how do, we, how do we get rid of expenses? How do we, we, we minimize um, what we're doing as much as we can so that the amount of money coming in can exceed the amount of money going out because that creates margin? But, all right, beyond finances, I want you to think about it this way. Treat every relationship as if it was an account. And I want to ask you, are you making deposits into your relationships? Now, I want to give you a little insight. Your presence in your home is not making deposits. Like, I wish it worked this way. I wish I could sit on my couch in my living room and my magnificence would radiate through my home and my family would be like, oh, I just feel like I'm getting better because you're, you're here. 
I wish it worked that way. Let me give you a little advice. It doesn't. It's only when we intentionally invest in our relationships. We've got to deliberately invest time. We've got to deliberately invest attention. We've got to deliberately invest affection and grace and mercy and love. When we do that, we are putting deposits into our relationships. It's not going to happen automatically. It's got to happen intentionally. And it was funny because it was just a couple days ago, I was at the ballpark with my son, and he's on a little league team, and one of his coaches uh, was there in the stands, and he was uh, with his wife, and they were talking about this very thing of, um, he has a tendency to say kind of stupid stuff around his wife. And he made the comment that, he said, Scott, I've been in the negative since the day I got married. Which was kind of funny and everybody laughed, but I was thinking to myself, no, that's just straight up truth. (laughs) I mean, the reality is, is in their home, this poor guy probably is is always behind in the count. And so it's like, for us, what do we got to do? We've got to consistently make deposits in our relationships. Beyond that, if it's like, if you are facing an integrity thing, and you're on the curb with your integrity, then how do you make deposits? My question to you is, where are you spending your time? What what are you dwelling on? What are you looking at? What are you thinking about? And the more time that you can spend on the positive things, the more it pushes out the negative. The The negative may not disappear, but what are you doing? You're building in margin by making the deposits. And so we've got to have the deposits. We've got to look at at the margin and say, we've got to do whatever it takes to create margin. So how do we do it? We've got to draw a new line. So ask yourself, what line today do you need to draw in your life? Number two, we've got to have someone hold us accountable to that line. Without accountability, there's no motivation for change. And number three, we've got to make deposits. Eventually enough deposits will take a deficit and turn it into margin. But I, I recognize something today that's it's tough because I've had the conversations with so many of you. I've, I've heard the stories that your marriage has fallen apart. Your house is in foreclosure. Your habits are controlling your life. I can, I can see the anxiety on your face. I can see the weight that you carry. And I want with everything within me to be able to take that weight off your shoulders. Friends, I, I pleaded with God this week saying, God, please... Let my words somehow make a difference in someone's life today. Because I recognize that if we can just grab a hold of a little bit of margin in our life, it might just save our marriage. It might just save our financial life. It might just save our integrity. If we can just grab a little. And I'm hoping and I'm praying that today in this moment God is going to show up and do something in your heart that there's going to be a change in your heart because if there's not a change then you'll continue to live life on the curb and it's only a matter of time before the storms will come you'll find yourself playing with disaster 
And I know that there's probably so many of you in this room today that you're tired of living life on the curb. There's been too many close calls or maybe you've been hit too many times. And you're tired of being overloaded. Well, I'm going to pray today that God's going to show up in your life. Not just for a spiritual encounter, but for the sake of that life change can happen and it can start today. And I'm even going to ask something somewhat bold of you because I want to, I've got such a burden for this. I want to pray for you specifically. And so if you are examining your own life right now and you're recognizing that you don't have margin, whether it's an issue of integrity or it's an issue of finances or it's an issue of relationships, whatever it is in your life, if you're one of those sitting in here today and be like, you know what, I don't have margin. I know it's destroying me and I need it. Will you pray for me specifically? I want to invite you to just raise your hand. I want to pray for you today. And I'm going to believe that God will show up today. I'm going to believe that God's going to make a difference today because I recognize this isn't just a mental thing. There's a spiritual dynamic to this whole thing. And I'm believing that God's going to do something in your heart today. Because he's got this wonderful ability to take whatever circumstance we're in and to change it, to mold it, to fix it. One of the most powerful verses I've ever read in the Bible comes out of Romans chapter 8, verse 28. And it says, And we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love Him and who have been called according to His purpose. In other words, it's saying, no matter what your situation, no matter what your circumstance, God has the ability to take it and to fix it and to make it better. To turn it for good. So I'm not saying that God put you in your circumstance that you're in, but what I am saying is this, that you can take whatever situation you're in and you, whatever problem, whatever overwhelming, whatever overloaded situation is and give it to God and God would say, I can work with that. I can handle that. I can make something great out of that. And I want you to give it to God. And I believe that there's going to be a divine exchange that happens in this moment. That allows you to build some margin in your life. And that God can use these situations and circumstances for good. And that you can look back and say, just when I thought things were falling apart, God was able to turn it around. So for all of you that raised your hand, I'm praying specifically for you. But for those of you in the room that you have margin in your life, I want to invite you to pray with me for those in the room that don't have the margin. Because we know that true life, it's found in the margin. Let's pray. God, we come before you because you're God and you're amazing and you're great and nothing's impossible with you. And I ask you, Lord, that you would show up right here, right now. You know everyone that raised their hand. You know everyone that's living on the edge. They're living on the curb. They're fighting off disaster. They're overwhelmed. They're overloaded. They need help and they don't know what to do. God, I pray that you would encounter them right here, right now. I pray that you would give them specific details on where to draw a new line, who can hold them accountable, and how they can start making deposits in their life. Because God, I know that you have for them a greater life. A life of freedom, a life of hope, a life of peace. kind of hope and freedom and peace that can stand any storm. So Lord, I pray that you meet them today, right here, right now.
for this I thank you. And I praise you. And I pray it in Jesus' name.